Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation, happy Dad Day. Dad Day. Hey, Kelly. Hi, how are you? I'm tired. Are you? I am. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's raining here. It's been torrentially raining here because it's been raining in Texas and they sent it to Pennsylvania because they thought that would be funny. Oh, why would they do that to you? It's them Texans. You know how they you know. are. I know. Yeah, you did. You, yeah. Vicious. My vicious producers who are in Texas are laughing. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at me. Uh, and, you know, you know I have these phobias because we've been flooded so many times where mm-hmm. I'm at my house that I don't sleep when it rains. Ugh. That's annoying. It's annoying, but you know what? It's also taught me a lot in the last couple of days because here's the thing that's funny. My kids and my husband have been saying things to me like, oh, my God, get over it. Just go to sleep. And what I realized was irrational fears aren't rational. You can't mm-hmm. rationalize with them. It's that's like trying true. to talk to your husband <laughs> or a toddler it's it's just it's the most ridiculous thing ever it's like I hear the rain and it wakes me up and then I can't sleep so then I start to think about you know these little kids who have these irrational fears and you don't know where they come from Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god it just it doesn't make any sense so just you know so you know you try to punish it out of them or you try Mm -hmm. to medicate it out of them and the fact of the matter is until you get to the core of the problem and you give them what they need to get through it, they're not going to get through it. Right. It was so funny, but I said to my husband last night when it started raining, like right before we went to bed, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> like, is this some kind of an evil joke? And I looked at him and I said, what I really need you to do is tell me that it's going to be okay. How hard is that? Right, right. That's what do we know- do with our children. We would like to think that we do. Or anyone who is fearful of something. I don't think we do it as long as you, as much as you think we do though, Kelly. Yeah, that's true. I I think if, I think if we think the other person's being ridiculous, then we don't say anything. You're right. You're more right in that statement because what we do is we go, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Oh, why are you being so scared? Oh, you need to just grow up. Oh, you need to just get over it. Oh, we're not, we don't cry about things like that. That's what we do. When a kid looks at us and says, I just need you to tell me that it's going to be okay. We don't look them in the eye and go, I'm telling you it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We come up with a thousand reasons why we shouldn't have to do that. And even as a grown man, my husband couldn't look me in the eye and go, it's going to be okay. He was like, oh, my God, you're ridiculous. Oh, my God, you're a child. Oh, my God, why are you acting like this? And I'm like, holy shit. 
okay, now I need you to rub my hiney until I fall asleep. <laughs> Get going on that. Get going on that. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you an example. We had um, my daughter and her husband and their two children were living with us for a while. And my grandson, who was three at the time, was a little bit afraid and thought the monsters were going to come in the front door. And he was doing that for a few days, and we kind of were telling him it was going to be okay. No, they're not going to come in. And then one day I got this great idea, and I put water in the squirt bottle, and I wrote monster spray on the bottle. And I just gave it to him and let him go to town all around the front door. And with, with the water, and he was happy. He didn't mention the monsters again. Seriously, that's awesome, Kelly. <laughs> I loved it. It was that fun. That is so cool. And what the heck, you know, it was easy. It right. was and it was what he needed. It was mm-hmm. what he needed to get over it, right? Right. Ah, right. uh, so maybe there's a lesson in this for Parent Nation. If you're if you or someone you love is facing an irrational fear, Maybe stop justifying and trying to be logical and trying to explain it away. Maybe stop and get down on their level and say, what would help you in this moment? What do you need from me? And then let them answer you. There's a thought. Right. (sighs) I love that. So anyway, we're celebrating Dad Day. I'm excited. Yay! I love Dad Day. And ironically, this is the month of the dad. Mm-hmm. I like to do things in months, you know. Right. Like the month of my birthday. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's the best month because my birthday's in the same month. <laughs> exactly. We're all we're Leos. We're well, sunshine. I'm actually I'm actually a Virgo. I'm right on the cusp. I don't like cuspy people. Pick something Sorry. and go with it. <laughs> well, I claim Virgo. All right. All right, claim Virgo. <laughs> Technically, we shouldn't get along then. Mm. We should fight like cats and dogs. Oh, it's all right. Like, you mean like virgins and lions? Yes, we should fight like <laughs> virgins and lions. That's pretty sick, Kelly. That's like Fifty Shades of Grey hey, sick right hey, there. Hey, hey, hey. I like it though. So I'm just in that kind of a mood. Rub my hiney till I fall asleep. <laughs> so, so we're we're celebrating the month of the dad. And, uh, and I, this is like one of my favorite shows that we do all month long. Not that I don't love all parents. I just think that, you know how I feel about dads. I think they rock. Right. And, uh, yeah, so we have two great dads. We have Aaron Walker, view from the top dad is going to be talking to us about why he feels there's a shortage of real dads, which, you know, Hey, let's talk about that. And, uh, and then in our last segment, we're going to have Christopher Wallen, who's going to be uh, talking to us about his awesome book, The Foxhole Father. And uh, I got to read some of it. And mm-hmm. I love I love his um, I love that his theories are so much like mine. Right. Um, I get a lot of flack for my theories in parenting, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I like having a dad on here to kind of reaffirm the things that I say every once in a while. so yeah we're gonna celebrate those dads hey um speaking of dads in the news so uh bruce jenner um yes now caitlin yes um okay so here's the thing i have to say it i think that his new persona is beautiful yes and 
I don't understand why we have to stop celebrating the Olympic hero that is Bruce Jenner. Have we stopped? Did you see the the shitstorm that Drake Bell created on Twitter when he said he will to, to me he will still be Bruce? Yes, I did. And but here's the thing. Okay, first of all, people react without thinking. Welcome to social media. Second, mm-hmm. se, you know, seven second uh, time span of thought here. So, would it? One of my friends, oh, Carrie Lee, Master Angelo, who's on the show all uh-huh. the time. Our Carrie yeah. Lee. She said studies have shown that the female or that the the human um, attention span is that of a goldfish. <laughs> oh boy, that's so and, true. And that's about how much thought we put into things before we put them up on social media. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, so anyway, he, he puts this up and people lambasted him, completely lambasted him. Here's the thing, you guys. He, he remembers and celebrates the hero that is Bruce Jenner. Why, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. So because you're now Caitlyn, now that that erases everything that you've done in the past because you did it when you were in a male body and you weren't comfortable with yourself. I don't understand why. I'm trying to figure out the logic behind that. Yeah, okay, so I'm I'm Tara Kennedy or I'm Tara Kennedy, right? I'm a bad example because I hyphenated, but so what? Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tara Kennedy. For a period of my life, a very long period of life, during which I accomplished a lot of really cool things right. that I that I can be remembered for, and then I got married and I changed my name. Right, that doesn't take away the things that I did in the first half of my life. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I I don't understand. I'm not saying don't be who you're meant to be. I'm not saying don't be comfortable with who you are. I'm not saying don't celebrate who you've become. You know, it's, it's a, you know, this is your debutante ball. This is your coming out party. This is your, whatever you want to call it. And that's awesome for you. And you're, it's great. And realize that there are people who followed you in the seventies when you were going through that journey of being a major, Olympic, uh, American Olympiad, decathlete, you know, gold medal winning hero to all of us. Mm -hmm. Don't take that away from us. Right. You could compare that to having, like you said, having a life before you got married and all your friends knew you as Tara Kennedy. And then your wedding is kind of like your debutante coming out ball. This is my new persona. But you're still going to have people who knew you before you were married. Sure. I'm starting my new life with my new, my new husband. You know, now I'm going to become mom. My mm-hmm. body's going to change. I mean, damn, I don't look anything like I did in high school. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had surgeries done to alter my body. Mm-hmm. That doesn't take away who I was before I had those surgeries. You know, I've dyed my hair. I've cut my hair short. I've, you know, I've, we've done the majority of people in the world do things to themselves to change their appearance, to accommodate who they feel they are in the moment right now, today and moving forward. That doesn't mean that we dis and forget who you were prior to that. So I just, I, I wish people would consider that 
before they jump all over everybody for being transophobic and homophobic. I, there's new words now. We have a whole, <laughs> you know, vocabulary that we're using now. It's just, it's, it's amazing to me what we will do in defense of our own personal feelings that no one else knows but us, you know, in defense of our own stuff. Oh, here we go. So the, a, a friend on Facebook, you know, I have a few of you. So <laughs> a friend on Facebook posts a question about an animal, a dog. Okay. A lot of people don't know that my first experience in owning a business was I, I was in pet care. You know, I, I own, I was a vet tech. I owned grooming salons and I, I pet sitting services and dog care and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, obedience classes. I did that for 20 years of my life. It's a pretty big chunk of my life. Oh yeah, sure. Right? Sure. So I know a little bit about animals. And so this person posts a question asking for help. That being the, the main point here. So me, a lot of people were posting helpful advice, you know, just things that they thought would be helpful. And I posted something that is a little bit contrary to what other people were saying. I know, you know, I, I contradicted some people who knew I would do that, but I wasn't alone. There were two other people who were in a professional animal care setting who agreed with me. Right. Okay. I got attacked. Oh no. The, actually, the person's mother actually said, look out for this one. I think she's the one who dumped that dog on that person that we know. What? 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 Who? Are you kidding me? What? I've never, I've never dumped an animal on anybody in my life. I'm like, oh my. my husband hates the fact that I adopt other people's animals. <laughs> it's Oh, my God. So you're going to make shit up about me to discredit me? And you don't even know me. And they started attacking me. And I was like, whoa, hold up here, folks. If you're going to... If you're going to put out a post asking for help and you get advice that you don't want, here's what you do. Thank you and move on. Right. You don't have to attack people for helping you when you asked for help. Oh, dear God. It's, you know, we have got to stop. That's crazy. That is crazy. Oh my gosh. So much craziness on social media. And you know, that's why it, that's what's happening in front of our kids. And we wonder why our kids are so ridiculous on social media because look at us. <laughs> We're obscene for crying out loud. Oh, speaking of obscene on social media, did you see Adam Levine's new video? No. He gets totally naked. Well, you know, I saw the teaser about it, but I teaser didn't... is the right word. <laughs> I didn't click on it. I thought it maybe blow up my computer or something. Whoa! It was uh, oh, I had to take a time out. I mean, it... is it total? Well, here's what happens: he Full gets out of the shower. He's singing. Okay. He's singing in the shower. He gets out of the shower. He has a towel on. He walks over to his clothing rack and drops the towel. Uh, front or back? Back, but he's standing in front of a mirror. But he's standing in front of a mirror? He's standing in front of a mirror. So with with strategically placed shoes, I might add. (laughs) What size are the shoes? (laughs) I wasn't looking at the shoes, Kelly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That man is going to get to the point where all he'll have to do is hum. (laughs) Nothing else. 
It's mm-hmm. not going to matter. <laughs> oh my goodness. He's so fine. He is so fine. And there are people who are like, oh my God, I don't see what's so hot about him. You are blind. Yes. Yes. You yes. can't even see. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You know why it's, I love yeah, him? Exactly. He looks so much like my husband. Mm. <laughs> Chris Klein, stop shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I have to do. That's our ready, that's our thing that we have to do. Cause like if I if I look at a guy that's hot and I'm like, mm, that is fine. And Chris will like look at me like seriously and I'll be like, Oh honey, I only think he's cute because he looks like you. <laughs> and then he's okay with it. And then he's okay with it. It's become a running joke. You know, here's the thing. Wait, I'm that woman who if we're walking through the mall, nobody goes to the mall anymore, let's be honest. Okay, if we're walking down the beach and a girl comes running by in a bikini and she's super hot. I'll be like, oh, my God, Chris, did you see that? So I'm okay with it, you know. Okay. I, uh-huh. I don't really care. I know what I – I I got me. I, I know what I got going on. Right. It's, it's fine. You know, no. I've held on to him for 27 years. He's not going anywhere. Right. Alive. <laughs> uh- <laughs> now, does he admit that he saw it or does he pretend that he did not? And you really know he did. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's sneaky. I, I don't know. He doesn't really hide it okay. well, because we have a 16 and a half year old son now. Right. So now it's become that joke. Wink, wink. You know, <laughs> hey, Max, did you see that? So now it's no longer a joke between he and I. It's between him and my son. Uh. Yeah. So, you know, I just let them play their thing. And then while I'm, you know, with my son and I'll see a hot guy, I'll be like, hey, Max, did you see that? He'll be like, oh, my God, Mom, you're such a jerk. (laughs) Uh, But he sings with me, so it's cool. Right. Yeah. So, anyhow, we got about 30 seconds until we got to go to break. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot we can talk about in that amount of time, except I would like everybody to go to, at some point, not now, go to our uh, Facebook page. And um, check out, we have a program that we're starting called Unplug for Families. And I talked about it on the, uh, the, t- the interview, the news interview that I just did about chores. If you want to see a great interview about how to get your kids to do chores over the summer, check that out. Um, but I also want to invite everybody to check out the Unplug for Families Challenge. It's unplugging from technology one day a week for four weeks. Um, and then we're going to stay to get connected on the internet. So I want to do that. And then when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking with Aaron Walker at View from the Top Dad. And we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. 
you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high-on-life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am really, really excited about our first Dad Day guest. His name is Aaron Walker, and he's a veteran entrepreneur. He started his first business when he was 18 years old, and um, he is he wrote a whole blog that I really loved called I Don't Want to Be a Father. And at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, geez, here we go. You know, another entrepreneur dad who doesn't want to, you know, worry about the needs of kids with dads, you know. And then I started reading the article and really what it was about was it was was about stepping up as a father. And um, so a lot of what Aaron speaks about is what he believes is a shortage of real dads in America. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today with us. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great, Tara and Kelly. Thank you for having me on as your guest. Absolutely. Hi, Hi Aaron. This is Kelly. Hi, Hi Kelly. <laughs> hey, my, my title worked, right? I got you to read it. You might not have read it. Had I said you guys need to be great dads, you would have skipped right over it. Right. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing, Aaron. It's it's really kind of funny. We um, we do this segment because we agree with you a thousand percent. There is definitely a shortage of, if not real dads, then certainly respect for those who are doing it right. You know, and even those who are doing it kind of not so great. Um, maybe we need to step up and help them out a little bit more too, which is what I think you know from reading your blog that's what i believe your message is too uh, yeah, kind of giving of dad's cent- ideas sure it's one of the central focuses that i have today you know like you said i've been an entrepreneur since i was 18 i started really early had a lot of successful businesses you know i made money and all those things but at the end of the day if we're doing it at the expense of our families we still end up a loser and i don't want guys to end up losers i want them to end up successful and significant whether it be in the workplace and also more importantly at home well, you know, that's pretty amazing because you, you know, you've been married for 35 years, which by today's standard, you know, may as well be 100. Right. It's right. pretty fantastic. And she's still as hot as she ever was, too. I mean, I'm telling you, she's awesome. Yeah, we, we started dating in high school. I taught her to drive. Okay, so we've been together since she was 15. I was 16. We got married two weeks out of high school. And so now we've had 35 years, and it's been good. And I won't say we hadn't had our ups and downs. When you're married 35 years, you'll have your ups and downs too. But the main central focus is, you know, for each other and then to the children. 
I'm so glad that you said that because that was going to be my next question to you. You know, my husband and I just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. We've been together since we're six. Thank you. We've actually been together for 27 years. We've been together since high school also. And Mm. so many people said to us, it's not going to work. You know, don't get married so young. Don't stay with your first love. It's never going to work. And now 27 years later... It hasn't been all blue skies and roses. Of course it hasn't. But we've made it work because we've put ourselves, our our relationship as husband and wife first. And right. so many people have a problem with that. Are you finding that to be true as well? Well, I find it to be very true that it needs to be that way. And I find it very true people have trouble with that. What happens is, is the children come along and they become the central focus. And then the husband and wife drift apart because the children are the focus and not each other. And Robin and I just had it figured out kind of early on because we had some senior adult mentors that said you need to keep each other first. And I would even come home from the office and Robin would tell our girls, hey, give your dad 15 minutes or so to transition, you know, get out of the work mode, get home. So when he's present, he's present. And so let's give him a little space. It was every day I could sit there, just kind of exhale get my thoughts, you know, take my business hat off and become dad and become the husband that I needed to be. But I so appreciated a wife that had that kind of vision that could say, hey, we we realize it's tough in the workplace and we know you need 15 or 30 minutes just to kind of, you know, regather, regroup and become the dad and the husband. And so that's exactly what she allowed me to do. And as a result of that, I was able to be present when I'm present. And I tell guys all the time, I said, you can be there, but that doesn't mean you're present. You're still on the phone. You're still on the iPad. You're still on the computer. You're taking calls. And I help guys every day get balance in their life. I want these guys to know that you can be successful at work. And here's what I have found out, Kelly, that really comes true is that we keep moving the bar at work. We think this one more possession, this little bigger house, a little faster car, another ring, you know, another watch, another trip is going to satisfy me and make me happy. And I tell people that happiness is not a trait, it's a choice. And we can be happy in the circumstances that we're in presently. One more thing, one more dollar is not going to make you any happier than it did yesterday. And we keep moving the bar. So anyway, I just tell people it's a vicious cycle. It's the golden handcuffs. We get into that and then we forsake our family. And I'm just all about the family. I just want you to know why you're working. And Mm. I help people to discover that. I've even got a document that I wrote called, What Do I Want? And in that document, you sit down on the porch with your mate and you go, what is important to us? What are the 30 things that we want to accomplish? What are our goals today? What are our goals in six months, five years from now, when we retire? What do we got to delay our gratification on today in order to achieve that goal? And we do that in every arena of your life, whether it be in your marriage and date night, whether it be with your children on trips. Just design a life that you live on purpose. Don't let other people dictate what you do. And so once you discover what you want, it's not that hard to implement a plan to achieve that. And is that something that you do? I love that so much. It's, is that something that you do with just you and your spouse? Or is that something that you do with your entire family? 
Well, we we do this annually. My children are grown now. I'm a grandfather, okay? I have four grandchildren. <laughs> I have two daughters, 32 and 29. And actually, it's a re- it's kind of a cool thing because both of my daughters now work for me. They're my assistants. So I get to spend a lot of time uh, with them each day. But uh, I do that used to when the kids were little and they were at home. We had a little place in the mountains, and we'd go up there and stay for a week. And I'd say, pretend like I'm not your dad. Pretend like I'm just interviewing you, and you tell me where I've dropped the ball this year. I would say, where have I let you down as your dad? And then occasionally, if you can throw in something good that I've done, you know, I need the accolades also, so (laughs) tell me something good. You would be amazed, Tara and Kelly, at how the children will be honest with you if you'll give them permission to. I've done the same thing with Robin, and she will with me. I'll say, listen, I'm not perfect. I don't pretend to be perfect. I'm a man. You're a woman. You know, we think differently. But how could I serve you well? How could I meet the needs? How could I encourage you? How could I help overcome your greatest obstacle or fear as the provider, as the leader of our family, as a spiritual director? How can I serve you well? And they'll tell you if you'll allow them without getting on to them to have great communication. The children will do the same. And we've had those difficult conversations. It hurts your feelings sometimes. You're like, oh, man, I didn't know I dropped the ball there. I'm sorry. And, you know, and I'll work on it. But see, you've got to be a dad that's willing to be the servant leader and to subject yourself to that kind of open criticism. But man, when you do the avenues and the doors that it opens up for the communication and the life you can live on purpose and you can have the joy and the peace that you really want, when we're selfish and we look inward all the time, And that's what prompted this blog is what happens is, is that the things that we say don't coincide with our actions. See, we tell the workforce, our kids are important, our wife is important, and we spend 16 hours at the office. Well, to me, that's not saying your wife's important. To me, that's saying my work is important. So I tell guys, just don't say that. Just don't be a liar along with not letting your words coincide with your actions. Just don't say anything. But what I encourage guys to do is to say, I'm going to speak with my actions. I can say to my wife, I love you, but if I don't spend any time with her and I don't take her on a date night, I don't write her love notes, and I don't spend time sitting on the couch drinking coffee with her, really it's not true. That that time with her is not valuable. It's not important. And we do what's important to us through our actions. When we say that's priority and we do everything else, it really isn't priority. And so I just say let your priorities be the things that you speak with with your time. I think that's so important and it's so valuable because I see when I go to football practices or when I go to, you know, the piano recitals or whatever, I see the dad's that are there physically, but they're on their laptops or they're getting up and walking away with their cell phones and taking that next call or whatever. I see the dads that are tethered to work, even when they're not at work. And then they're saying that they're spending time with their families. And I think the thing that's so difficult in, in the society that we're in today, Aaron, is that with the millennial mindset, that we're dealing with the 30 something mindset. A lot of them are choosing not to have kids at all because being tied to work is so important. Employers are looking for people who are dedicated and married to their jobs that they can count on all the time. How do we, how do we explain to or teach those parents, those fathers 
you have to make that separation. How do we explain to those bosses? I mean, you're a CEO. How do we explain to those bosses? You've got to let your employees value their family time because a happy employee outside of work is going to be a happier, more productive employee inside of work. How do we get those messages across? Well, that's what I do each and every day. I have Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind groups where I coach men and men of 10 at a time. We come together in a virtual conference room and we discuss this stuff every day. And I'm going to get some pushback, and I know I'll already tell you there's some listeners are going to say, oh, yeah, it's easier for you to say because you've been successful. Well, I came from a very humble beginnings, right? My dad never made over $15,000 a year in his life, so I know all about broke. So people can't tell me you don't know what being broke is. I know all about being broke. But I have always chosen my schedule intentionally because if you don't plan your schedule somebody else will plan it for you and so i tell people just put boundaries up just say i would like to work overtime but i can't and you're going to get some people going to lose their job over it some people are going to you know they just are but if you can elect to be at home and you're choosing to be at work i think you've got trouble down the road that's coming for you because you're not electing to do the things that you signed up for. And that's to be the husband. When you said, I do, you chose to be the husband. And when you had children, they didn't elect to be here, but you chose for them to be here. And so you need to honor your responsibilities with them. And sometimes you just got to say, Mr. Boss, I, I won't be here tomorrow. My kids got a ball game. And you know, if that means firing me, fire me, I'll go get another job. See, why do we work? Why do we make money? See, for me, it's a tool. It's not my life. For me, money and my job is a tool to get money to live a life with Robin and with Brooke and Holly and my four grandchildren. See, that's the thing, and we've got it backwards. What we do is we get up every day and we idle and we worship our job because we're getting the accolades and we're getting the awards and we're getting you know, the certificates of appreciation called money, and that makes us feel good. And then we look back and we come home to a wife that don't know us and children that the wife took to all the ball practices because the man was at work trying to get more money to get the bigger house. For what? See, that's the question. What is it you want? Why do you want that bigger house? I have to ask myself all the time, why do I want that? And if I don't have a good answer for it, I'm going to go, it's probably going to stroke my ego. It's going to make me prideful. My buddies are going to think I'm something. And so we do things for the wrong reason. But when you forsake those things and you say, you know what, I'm not going to bow at the temple of the dollar and I'm not going to do it just so my peers will say good job. And I'm going to look at a wife and say, you mean more to me than anybody on the planet. And we're going to do this life and live this life on purpose together. And if that means us having a smaller house, so be it. We'll have a smaller house, but we're going to have a great relationship. And then I've got kids that know me. My daughter came recently and she's 32 years old and she sat down beside of me on the couch. I don't tell you this to brag. I just tell you because I've invested time in my children. And I looked at her and I smiled and I said, what is it? What do you want? You know, there was plenty of places to sit in my den. And she <laughs> said, dad, I just want to be near you. Oh. And I'm like, that's a home run. I don't care how much money you make it work when your 30-year-old daughter says, Dad, I just want to be near you. Well, I don't know about you, but I couldn't make any amount of money that would do for me what that did. And now my children are grown and gone. They have children. They call me, Dad, what do you think we should do? What is your advice? Well, if I hadn't invested that time early on, that they wouldn't do that. Now, let me say this. Okay, so you've dropped the ball. Let's just say you haven't been that dad. Well, it's not too late to start today. 
If you can hear my voice today, I don't care what happened behind you. It's not important what happened behind you. You can't fix it. You can't undo one thing you did five minutes ago. But what you are in charge of is from today forward. Are you going to allow them to dictate your schedule? Are you going to put, you know, you're going to bow at the temple of, you know, all the money in the house and stuff? Let me tell you something. I've had all the stuff. I've had vacation homes. I've had money. I've had business that I've sold out to Fortune 500 companies. I've done all that. It's good. And I'll be the first to say money is important. Boy, isn't that a shocker? Most people have money say it's not. It is important, but give it the right importance. Don't make it God. Don't make it your primary focus. Money will come. It's easy to make money. See, the office doesn't have a memory, but your children do. Mm-hmm. And you only get one opportunity with that wife. You only get one opportunity with those children. They're going to be gone. When they're 16, 17, for all practical purposes, they're gone. We can make more money. We can start more businesses. There's all the money in the world out there to be made, right? But you only get one chance with that wife and with those children. And I want you to maximize that time together. And the dividends that it will pay that it will pay will be astronomical. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm so glad we had you on the show today. I oh. can't believe <laughs> Well, I can't yeah, believe I, we're almost out of time. Yeah, I just want these guys to wake up and realize that one more possession, one bigger house, a faster car is not going to give it to you long term. But that wife and those children save, will. If you got to save money for something, make it a family trip, or yep. you know, if you're going to go, if you're going to go hunting or whatever, make sure it's an opportunity to take your kids with you. That's that's the best thing you can do. Aaron, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us. And I really want Parent Nation to check out your blog, um, View from the Top. And hey, Kelly, you before said, you leave, let me tell you something. We we made a landing page for your audience, viewfromthetop.com forward slash Parent Nation. There's three documents I give away to help you live a life on purpose. So go to that website, viewfromthetop.com forward slash Parent Nation. Get these three documents for free. I don't want to sell them to you. I'm giving them to you. Hope Hopefully it'll help you uh, take your life to the next level. That is so awesome, Aaron. Thank you so much. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Christopher Wallen, who wrote the book, The Foxhole Father. Stay tuned. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? 
Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture, curls, and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the Wow Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for our next Dad Day guest. His name is Christopher Whalen, and he is a national speaker on parenting and family financial issues, which is awesome because that's one of the big things that we're dealing with right now in uh, Parent Nation is family financial issues, such as chores and that sort of thing. So hopefully we'll be able to talk to him about that. And he's also the author of The Foxhole Father, A Field Guide for Fathers, which I've been reading through, and it is just, it's so pointed and at times funny and mostly realistic, and I just absolutely love the book. So, Christopher, hi. How are you? Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, I have been reading through your book, and I love this book. It's Well, first of all, I can't stand all the wishy-washy parenting advice that's out there right now. <laughs> um, you know, that's just who I am. And I love that your book is broken down into segments like, you know, dreams and goals and raising functioning adults from the ground up. And it talks about things that inherently we should know, but we've kind of like put on the back burner because, you know, some study somewhere said that that might be detrimental to our children. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So one of the things that you say is that, um, like I'm dealing with two teenagers right now and you know, one is on the, the opening end of teenagerism, and the other one is kind of becoming our friend now. He's, he's mm-hmm. at the, the higher end. But one of the things that you say is that teenagers are like newborns. If you have a teenager, take yourself back to when they were first born and try to remember yourself, how you felt about them then, how you didn't take anything personally. And I absolutely love that. Um, because we do have, I have a lot of questions from Parent Nation dealing with teenagers and how do you deal with their tantrums and how do you deal with their disrespect and how do you deal with all the bad choices that they make. And I love that you tell parents, go back to when they were innocent and you loved them. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you like them. <laughs> you like them and you didn't take anything personally. Exactly. So, um, when you do you have a, a process that you take parents through? I mean, is this coaching that you do with parents or is it primarily just with the book? 
Well, I definitely have grown into coaching parents. I have a, I have a CPA practice. I'm a CPA by trade with my own firm, and that leads me to many family situations, which, of course, goes from financial and tax advice to parenting advice almost at the same time when I'm in family meetings. So um, I'm coaching parents through, just to go back to this main issue with teenagers, I try to tell parents that even though a 14-year-old has adult language, that we have to ignore that because we, we, we shouldn't uh, create and uh, see them as an adult person. So we have to go back to when they were infants where we had patience, we wanted to guide them, but if they were throwing a tantrum in a crib, we never took that personally. Yet if a 14-year-old is calling you a name, of course you, you, you take it personally, and that clouds the entire parenting process. Um, parents need to eliminate their personal feelings from all parenting almost all the time because it's usually a waste of time and energy. And teaching moments are lost all the time when parents get down to that level of a teenager and they start having personal arguments um, and, and the teaching moments are lost. And that's what I'm saying that all the time. We need to key on the teaching moment for the child and get them and parent them through a situation. Our feelings don't matter. So I hear what you're saying. And as an emotionally wired reactionary person, <laughs> right. I, I find that very hard to see working in my life. Okay, so 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 do you find yourself in, in, in engaging in personal arguments or you know words back and forth, and then you finally can get to the parenting you need to do? So is that what happens? Because that's very common. And then, or even the or even the topic is lost in a smokescreen of a child's tantrum or words, and then nothing gets done for the child. I see myself as being the person who, um, as the nurturer in the family, I see myself, because I'm the only female in my house, I can see my, my husband and my sons kind of segmenting things and saying, I'm not going to take that personally because that doesn't make sense in this space. But as the nurturer and the and the very, um, uh, I, I don't know, hormonal person sometimes in the family, <laughs> when, uh, when someone says to me, oh, my God, you're the worst mom on the planet. I can't stand you. It's really, really hard to not take that personally as the mama. I understand, but what we need to get past, even if you, you, you can't show your reaction, I, when, when my kids said things like that to me, I said, that may be true, but you still can't go on a car date with a 21-year-old and you're 15. So I, I don't care. I said, that might be true, and I just got back. This is just a smokescreen because they don't want to deal with the issue. So I, I just kept bringing it back to the issue at hand. Uh, yes, I, but I never wanted to express. Of course I get personally upset. Believe me, I raised three teenage daughters. I had all the weekend time since 1997. So I understand <laughs> friction and people attacking me all day. But, but I never, I rarely showed that it hurt me because that's part of what they want. They want to distract you. So, yes, you can't help the feelings, but you can help expressing them and showing them. Because that doesn't add to the parenting. It doesn't help your child. At 15, your child needs to be guided like a three-year-old. They're going through so many different milestones, just like when they were little. And we have to help them through that. And, and if, you, if you inject your personal feelings in, into the situation, it doesn't help your child at all. And that's what I'm focused on that with parents when I go and speak to PTA groups. And I think you cannot inject your personal feelings unless it's going to help the situation for them or else it's a very selfish thing to me. And I, get, I have arguments with moms all the time, but then they see my point when we role play things and they see what I'm talking about. 
So is that what you would call being a masculine, non-judgmental sanctuary? That's a term that you use in your book. Well, right. For, well, the, the masculine part comes from, I, I put that as, as one of my taglines, is because the, the word masculine has been demonized so much in the mm-hmm. past 30 years and, and bastardized, when being a masculine person, you can filter everything through your masculine, emotional, and psychological sensibilities and still be an effective parent and have great children. And that's, what I'm, that's the message I'm trying to give out to men. You don't have to feminize yourself and, and become, become womanly in your parenting in order to be effective. A lot of men feel so confused today. I, I get hundreds of emails now, almost a week it's happening, that men are, are reading my book and they're, and they're saying, oh, I can be a man and be masculine. Oh, but I can still be an effective parent. And that's what that means. And also the non-judgmental sanctuary is the most important component of my parenting, I think, should be everyone's most important component. What does that mean? doesn't mean you don't guide your children, you don't coddle your children, but I never judge or attack my children in any way, never call them a name. Never, like parents will say, what, are you stupid? Or like mm-hmm. never, ever would that come out of my mouth. I'm looking to guide them in a loving, caring way. The moment you start to, to bully your children and bring that kind of wording, then I, what, I, what, I, what I call emotional flinching happens. You want your children to come to you when they, they're in need. And if you have a child that flinches away from you when they're 10, when they're 17 and they're in crisis, there are parents out there that kids will not, cannot talk to, and that's real child abuse to me. You want your child to come to you whenever they have a real need and see you as a strong sanctuary. So that's the thrust of my book, especially for men. Women are reading it, and women are writing to me saying, I want my husband to be this way. That, this is one of the best things that have happened. I didn't expect it. I wrote my book for men would never step over the line of giving mom really any advice in my book. Am I making sense? Yeah. I'm like astounded by the things that you're saying. Cause I mean, I've, I've worked with so many kids, particularly boys of very domineering fathers who believe that they have a masculine way of parenting. And these boys would come in to talk to me and would literally censor self censor every word they were saying. Mm. I knew immediately that that child has never had a conversation with an adult in their home where they weren't called a name or judged or rejected for what they were saying because they were afraid to have a conversation. No. Constantly. I I, I I see it every day. Yeah, it's it's frightening, right? And I think that's what you're talking about when you're saying that you have to become a masculine, non-judgmental sanctuary. You're creating the space you're creating a, a strong, safe place for your kids to be free to express themselves and to tell you anything. Exactly. That's so vital because, I mean, I as the mom of two boys, I want to be able to say, yeah, I'm boy mom. You know, I, I play football with my kids and I can do all that. I can manage all that. But there are still conversations that my boys need to have with their dad. They can't have them with me. Exactly. And their dad needs to be able to provide them with a safe space to open up about those topics and not feel like they're wrong or shamed or blamed. When, when, when I workshop with dads about this exact issue, and so what dads, masculine men, who, who usually would never read a parenting book ever, that's the 80% of my market, <laughs> I'm going for it, but they're, they're very reactionary, they're very caveman-like, they want to get a situation diffused as soon as possible, and that's their DNA. So they sometimes, of course, are abrupt, are cold, are saying, listen, there's always a place for because I said so, but Mm -hmm. it's very rare 
when that happens. So I try to teach men, and this is through role-playing also with men, with men's groups, going through situations and teaching them my philosophy of and, and having them self-observe. A big part of my book, if you read it, is all about self-observation on many levels and many situations. And once I can get men to take themselves out of that front-line very subconscious reaction, caveman reaction, to try to sit back and see what they're doing and self-observe. It changes their life the way that I teach them to do it. It changes their families, the whole dynamic. And kids have come to me and said, I can't believe this is my father. <laughs> <laughs> That's what did you awesome. do to him? I'm not, af- <laughs> I'm not afraid of him anymore. And isn't that an amazing statement? Because how many times have you heard, I'm sure a bazillion, Health, I want my children to fear me. Oh, it's terrible. And the, the biggest, a big selling point for my book, people say, why should I buy your book? And, and you're simply a CPA, and what could you know? And I ask them this question. I'll ask, I'll ask you and your listeners. As a teenager, when something happened to you where you are in trouble or something happened and you were very scared, did the thought of your parents knowing that get you even more frightened? Were your parents an added stress and worry to that situation. If you have that, then you need this book because that, mm-hmm. that is my parenting dynamic is something for the new times here, new, the new age. So when I tell parents, they all agree they had that fear. They have an unhealthy fear of their parents, especially when they're at need. And think about that. There are teenagers, 17-year-old girls and boys. Today it's even worse than when I was young. And they cannot go to their parents when they're in their most desperate need. And so that, this is what my book's for. This is, to, this is to create the safe haven for these children when they're most desperately at need, not just to go to the movies, but when they're pregnant or they realize that they're homosexual or they're transgender or any serious thing in their life, they need to immediately come to you. So that's, that's what my book is to give a gift to children, to get mm-hmm. parents to understand what they're not giving. What is a non-judgmental sanctuary supposed to be? And what you can have, no matter if you're a new dad, an old dad, a grandfather, this book is for married fathers, coupled fathers, it's for single dads. Um, so that's the main focus of the book is that's what I want to give children, what I give my children. I think it's awesome, and I really think it's important, too, to remember, although we are celebrating Dad Day, I think it's important for you to know, too, that when I read your book, it shed a light on a lot of things for me as a mom too. Mm. So, you know, it, it's, it, yes, it is a, it's written from a very masculine male perspective. And I appreciate that. However, you know, you talked about things like co-ed sleepovers. Mm-hmm. There are just as many moms that scream into their pillow. And, you know, if their kids would say, <laughs> even suggest such a thing, they'd be like, oh, dear God, no. And <laughs> you make the joke, you know, there were only three kids that wound up pregnant from that event. But, and, <laughs> but, but that's the image that goes through our minds. We're like, holy crap, are you kidding? And you bring a very realistic point of view to that for for dads especially, but also for moms. I think it's a great book for couples to read together. And um, I really love, I would really love if some moms who are who believe that they have to be single moms because the dads are completely incapable of taking care of their kids, I would totally love it if they would read your book too. Because what it did for me was shined a light on how dads parent differently. Right. And, and, and it's not wrong. It's just different. I, I wish that moms would understand that dads lack confidence 
you know, in parenting, it's maybe it's genetic, uh, you know, it's just evolution. So assume that dad's me. I was raised in a, in a very sexist environment. I never held a baby, and I'm still thinking I'm, I'm making mistakes every day. So try to be patient. So you have to understand that the, the difference between men and women in general is that if you have a masculine guy, you know, understand a caveman's mentality is different than a cavewoman's mentality. And so mm-hmm. he wants to take care of things quickly, as I said before. So try to remember that sometimes when dads are not involved, they get demonized. But try to remember in our lives, if you have a lack of confidence with something very important like a child or something, you, it might paralyze you. A lot of men get paralyzed thinking they're going to make a mistake with this precious life. So, yes, there are deadbeat dads and deadbeat moms. But everyone needs to be very patient with each other, and I, I want women to really start to care about men in a sense, be objective, and try to understand. Don't be one-dimensional about your reactions. Like I say in my book, don't have an index of acceptable behaviors um, and mm-hmm. say, well, you're not doing this. You're a terrible dad. They don't understand. They don't know. And the past right. 30 years, men have really been marginalized. Marriage is less so. It's not always because someone wants to be a neglectful person or they're selfish. They just really don't have the confidence to feel they're going to do something correct, and it's really a woman's role to do it better than them. And I see this every day in my, on my website um, and, and uh, in my forums that I have. Thank you so much, Christopher. And I really hope everybody listens and takes that to heart. And I really want everybody to check out your book, The Foxhole Father, The Field Guide for Fathers. Thank you to both of my guests and to all of you for listening. If you have anything to contribute to the conversation, go to our Facebook page, Parent Nation Radio, and join the conversation. Until next week, everybody, keep playing. We're given and try